But imagine that there are beings very interested in a mission, in a purpose, in moving evolution forward. They cannot themselves do it. They're standing on the outside of creation, so to speak, looking in. They're knocking on the glass, trying to get your attention. And every now and then you feel them in the form of inspiration. Oh, I want to be a musician. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a doctor. Like that is the voice of evolution calling you to your dharma, to your task in this world. Of course, there is another voice. So please allow me to use some dualistic Zoroastrianism frameworks here. There is another voice. And that voice I'm going to introduce you to in this month together. And what's going to happen is you are now entering the field. You're entering the frame. I want to make that very clear. By choosing to initiate, to take this initiation into Reiki 2, you are assuming some level of responsibility. And it's actually the most dramatic responsibility you will ever assume because it's the responsibility for your own life. And more than that, to answer your own calling. So to set the tone for today's ceremony, I'm going to tell you a story. And you're very welcome to close your eyes and sit in meditation as I describe this story for you. It has its roots in some of the Western mystery tradition's earliest creation myths. I will give you more and more pieces of this story as we go on throughout this month's training together. And at the end of the month, this story will snap into focus as a living reality, moment to moment. Until then, just allow the mystery and the poetry of this story to sink in. The disclaimer is that this story is a metaphor. Allow yourself to suspend disbelief and take it as seriously as you'd like for the sake of poetry, but always have one part of your consciousness always kind of aware that anything we speak about is never the truth. It's only an approximation. So here is the model I'm going to present for you now. Imagine before the dawn of time, before any creation, imagine a limitless, brilliant, white, gold light. This is the Ein Sof hour of the Hebrews, of the Kabbalist. This is the Satchit Ananda of the yogis. This field of light is blissful, conscious, self-aware, and immensely, immensely powerful. There is nothing in existence yet that is not this being. There is not yet any space. There is not yet any time. And so this being is everywhere and nowhere at once, transient and eternal, at once. Suddenly, from deep within this being, there is an urge. There emerges, we won't say from where, but there emerges from itself a desire. And that desire causes it 
to start to spin. And as it spins, it clears out a part of itself of itself. In other words, it hollows out a region in the infinite. And that region is known as the first moment of creation. It is the void. Remember that blackness, it's a memory encoded deep into yourself. It is a blackness beyond any blackness where not even the memory of light or the notion of light exists. And now there are two things. There is the being, and then there is the being's first creation, the void that is not the being. And yet, both are still aspects of one another. The void is as much the being as the being is the void. But now the being decides to do something. It decides to enter the void. Perhaps in so doing, it will be able to catch a glimpse of itself. For that is this being's great desire. The desire for self-reflection, for self-inquiry the desire to experience its unity in a diversity, in a duality. And so imagine now this being of light and bliss pushing itself into the void, but things fall apart. The center cannot hold. There is suddenly intense instability. The void starts to rumble and shake. And there is lightning that flashes through the air as the pressure of this being meets the stagnancy of the void. And suddenly the void starts to move. Dust appears out of air, out of space, out of the heat of the friction of void and being rubbing against one another there emerges all manner of things, dust, liquid, and this dust and liquid moving in this friction space matrix starts to congeal into certain laws, certain matrices, laws like gravitation, laws like thermodynamics. And suddenly something is happening. This soup is starting to take shape, but it's not yet fully formed. When suddenly... There is a lightning flash and from the edges of the void, shards of the one light break off and fall deep into the pit. The light retreats. Its first attempt has failed. The void remains too obstinate, too flux driven, too inert for there to be any meaningful expression of the light. But interestingly enough, something changes. The shards of light that broke off from the hole have fallen deep, deep, deep into the void. And for aeons, there they waited, aware of themselves, but traumatized. Traumatized because they now 
have a memory of wholeness, but they are separated from it. The first pangs of birth of angels can be heard in the void, but these are pangs that are closer to the gnashing of teeth and the howling and moaning and wailing of beings who long for wholeness, but have been exiled from it. And as aeons pass, these beings start to change. Their minds start to warp. Their purity becomes marred by too much time spent in darkness and solitude. Their flavor, their motives, their desires start to become unique and alien. But that fundamental desire remains to create wholeness. So the only wholeness they can settle for is the wholeness of the dark, dark void. And so they start to weave. They weave various structures and patterns into place. Gravity, thermodynamics, chemistry, all the laws of the physical world are under their control now. Because after all, they are shards of the creator. To create, to bring order, to bring wholeness is their very nature. And so they spin into existence a universe governed by physical laws. These are the laws of entropy. Know the name of your enemy well, for this is her name, entropy. The law of dissolution and destruction. The order inherent in chaos. These are the kings of Edom spoken of in the Bible. This is Esau. These are the wild, unruly forces of destruction. And now the game has changed. They think they have won for they've created a whole world separate from the creator. They can now sneer and mock the creator for they have done exactly what it did on their own terms. These rebel angels start to delight in their new creation when something strange happens. Now the creator, this field of light, no longer tries to shove itself into the void. Instead, it exerts a subtle pressure on the outskirts of the void. And that pressure starts to bloom into the first signs of life. Somehow in the primordial soup of the natural chaotic world, life forms start to arise, simple at first. The rebel angels start to panic because they recognize the mark of their enemy the mark of it who vanquished them, who exiled them. They suddenly develop a contempt for this life and they try to snuff it out wherever they find it. Using the laws of entropy and nature, they smother all amoeba in volcanic explosions. They try to dry up the oceans and fill the oceans with noxious chemicals, chemicals that cannot be breathed by life. And yet, and yet, Life, despite or perhaps because of this pushback, starts to develop. It starts to evolve into more and more complex forms capable of meeting 
the various challengers of the lords of Edom. And the lords and ladies of Edom start to quake as suddenly a new actor emerges. After aeons of struggle between entropy and life, a sentient being crawls out of its cave. Now the rebel angels are truly frightened because suddenly, despite all their best efforts, life has scored a powerful win. There is now a being who is capable of becoming the creator herself. And if she becomes this, if she awakens to the reality of what she is, the game will be complete and the all the being consciousness bliss, the Ein Sof hour would have won. And the kings of Edom would have been thwarted. Sensing a real existential threat, they knew the only thing to do was to distract this new sentient life. Distract it with thoughts of survival. So they made life harder still. Ice age after ice age, predator after predator, they dissuaded these first humans, these first sentient beings from spiritual discovery. And yet there was a call deep within each of these individuals to meditate, to watch the flowers and the birds and the other forms of life about them. Soon tribes began to develop, social structures, and the biological hardware was challenged by a calling from somewhere else. And of course, other shards of the light came down too. Shards of the light that have not been twisted by darkness. And these shards of light have come to tap on the windows, so to speak. As the Torah says, where a single blade of grass glows, grows, standing over it is an angel breathing grow, grow, grow. And this is where you come in in the titanic soup, in the struggle between evolution slash life and entropy, two forces at play, both diametrically opposed to one another. You are entering now into a realm of angels and gods, but also their opposites, demons and dark gods. The battlefield is not out there. It is in a different place, a place perhaps frighteningly much closer to you than you imagine. Take a deep breath into this poetic setting now. And it is here that we began our journey. For it is here that you have voiced your intention to join the fray. In fact, you didn't even choose to do it. Like a moth into flame, you were drawn into this calling. It will manifest for each of you differently along the lines of your own karma, your own impressions, but make no mistake, by initiating into Reiki 2, you are taking up the mantle of light worker, of an agent of evolution, of he, she, and they who serve life in all its forms. You are now becoming a custodian and a steward of this life. You are taking on a very solemn vow to progress life 
where you come into contact. This vow requires that you bear no ill will or resentment to any form of life because you see in all forms the mark of the creator, your own signature. And so now at the beginning of our journey, I ask that you take this very solemn vow. The vow that you will respect life in all of its forms, nay, love life in all of its forms, wherever you encounter it. That you will no longer attempt to kill out of malice. That if such need should arise to end life, it is with reverence, sacredness, and an awareness of the whole that you do so. This solemn vow requires that you speak no harsh words regarding your brothers or sisters. That you refrain from causing any sort of psychological or physical harm to any sort of life anywhere. And just take a moment to dwell on that. And the second vow, perhaps more important than the first, is that you will, for the sake of all beings, pursue your own evolution wherever it takes you. That you will answer the deep calls of light that bubble up from within, guiding you towards certain activities, books, places, even if it might not make sense to go to those places, read those books, or perform those activities. You are now deciding to categorically act from a different place. It will not always happen, but you have consciously decided to choose a side. 